Welcome to Despirituality. Um, I think I've learned how to say the name of one of my new favorite actors, Mahershala Ali. There the you go. actor in Green Book and Moonlight, an ascendant actor. I really like that name, too. I just didn't want to mangle it. Uh, and so uh, we talked about uh, him as a, a good actor in some good movies. I have another good movie for you. Uh, you guys are going to have to help me with the name because I can't remember the name of it, but it's called Instant Family. And uh, I think it's out in video now. With Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. That's it. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, who I flat love Mark Wahlberg. I lived in Dorchester uh, when the Wahlbergs lived there. And uh, and the new kids on the block. I'm older. So they all were in Dorchester when I was living there and working there uh, with young kids in the inner city uh, of Boston. Um, but, uh, yeah, Instant Family is a movie about um, a couple that ends up uh, deciding to adopt um, a, a foster kid. And they go to the foster kid program. And since Gail and I participated in that and did that, um, we were really intrigued by the um the uh the whole uh idea of the movie and it, it it's pretty good it it i mean it it shows you the reality of what it's like cuz at one point they go to one of these fairs and at these fairs they bring out all the adopted kids and they wander around like a park and they play and then the adoptive parents walk through it to see and meet the kids to see if there's any kid that that they might want to adopt it's one of the most disturbing experiences, but necessary. So the only way the foster program can get enough access to the kids is to do it. But it also makes it feel like you're shopping for a kid. Uh. It is just, Mm -hmm. and it's depicted in the movie, but it takes you through all the layers and all the experiences, the birth mom experiences, tremendous, tremendous film for those who might, uh, uh, want to adopt because it does have, it does have, uh, a, a, a painfully, a painfully happy ending, meaning part of the whole foster program life is painful, obviously, mm-hmm. but the the ending at the end is just, it's tremendous, it's funny, uh, and it's very purposeful. So just giving you another tip. Mike, you got any music tips for anybody? Any music oh, they man. can listen to? Music tips. We, Weezer has a new album. Who? Weezer. Yeah, Weezer has a new album. Okay, Weezer well. has a new album if you're, if you're into the, if you're into ironic uh <laughs> i don't know yeah no they had a cover album that they did because they did this cover of uh toto's africa, africa. Yeah. and it got the r- first number one hit like they like ever had since like because the they stole toto's music yeah mm-hmm. they, somebody did as a joke on twitter and then they did it and then it blew up and it was super funny and so it got them like the highest charts they've had since the 90s so you like a group called weezer weezer okay yeah. i never heard of them that's my well, you, that's my you, era you're pretty good you're pretty good with music so that's good yeah. all right all right. Let me see if I have a music tip. Uh, yes, I have a music tip. Old school. Count Basie. Get out there and listen to yourself some Count Basie jazz. The Count. And get on YouTube and check him out. He's cool. He's awesome. So you want to go a little old school. Oh, 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 oh. Um, what's that, that band that was together for a little bit? Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, uh, Rob Roy, Roy the, Orbison. Yeah, it's like the, the band. Wallabies, the Wandering... Well, something or others. Yeah. They're really good. I've been listening to them lately. Uh, and then, of course, I always recommend a little Luther Vandross. You got to go get yourself a little. The Wandering what? The Traveling Wilburys. They're awesome. They're awesome. I'm a, I'm, now, I'm a, I'm a student of Bob Dylan. I, I don't know if I'm a fan. I'm a student of Bob Dylan. So, so he's certainly 
you know, worthy, worthy to uh, pay attention to. And of course, as always, anything with John Legend, anything with John Legend, John movie Legend's soundtrack, good. anything. John Legend, John Legend could make, he could make geometry exciting if he sang it. <laughs> I would, I'd become a geometry major. Um, anyway, we're back talking about uh, a subject that is a theme uh, that we're working on, insecurity. And uh, one of the questions that, you know, I want to put out to the guys is, have you ever thought about, because, you know, a lot of us listening go to church, a lot of us listening don't, but have you ever thought about where your church will be in 10 years? Mm. Have you ever sat down and really thought, where, what do you think, you, you're, you're shaking your head there. No, I, I don't. I don't think about where my church is going to be in 10 years. Like, okay. that's not even, I don't know if I still have kind of a juvenile mindset where I'm like, oh, it's the older my parents problem yeah. you know what I, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like my parents will take care of that yeah. kind of or that kind of generation but it's never something that crosses my mind well i'm probably qualify as one of those his parents age and i don't <laughs> think about it we do we think about what's gonna where's we gonna church be next week and that's like where are where where's service <laughs> as far as it goes <laughs> is everybody gonna come we're we gonna be there everybody that's exactly <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I do sometimes and then I stop because I, the conclusion I draw is like, I'm going to have to do something about it <laughs> so that I shut it down. Yeah. In 10 years, I might have to do something. Let's just not think about that. Yeah. yeah it's like that, paying a bill. It's yeah. like, uh, I know I need to pay that bill, but I still got 14 days. So that's exactly <laughs> my wait. That's exactly my process. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I mentioned it is because, you know, uh, in, in the work that, that I do with the church, cause you know, I do some of the new media stuff we're doing. I have a, a startup uh, that I work with and then uh, the church and, and now writing uh, a little too much stuff. But um, I think about it all the time because uh, most churches go into decline as soon as the pastor, minister, evangelist goes into decline. And... Um, Many churches don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. And even when you look around, there are a lot of places where uh, ministers are quitting. They're going, I don't want to do this anymore because they start looking and going, well, I can't afford to sustain my life forever doing this. So I've got to get myself someplace where I can make enough money, get a pension, a plan, you know, a way to sustain my life. And so some people just quit and walk away or they just get burnt out by it. But others who sustain it, they're, they're ascendant, they're moving forward. But the next guy or two, he's not that guy. And a lot of people have attachments to this personality, which is, I think, dangerous. And they don't have attachments to the, the belief system or the culture or the conviction or, in, our, in, in the case of what I believe, the Bible. It's not, strong, it's not strong enough. And so you have to think about this because most of the time, churches go into decline and die out completely. The building becomes empty if they own one at all. And there's some churches that I know where I have friends who they, they don't own anything, and they are going from, you know, sort of place to place, wandering about, um, and nobody's sitting down and saying, hey, how are we going to make this sustain itself so that once the first or second generations pass along, the next generations will inherit something. And that all comes into play with insecurity because one of the things that I think makes churches get riveted on the personality of the person who's in charge or leading is that they don't have the kind of relationships with each other that sustain them. So what should sustain a group, a fellowship, a community is their conviction and belief about God's word and God 
in Jesus Christ, but then also as a result of those convictions, the quality of relationships they have that can withstand whoever's leading at whatever time. And when you look at the old, the new Testament, there was a vibrancy to the fellowship that had nothing to do with who was in charge. In fact, there were a lot of plays. Remember Antioch? That's a, a famous one, right? They had no main guy. There were a bunch of them that wandered out there, reached out to people. The church started growing, and they had no significant leader. Then they sent Barnabas in. Barnabas got Paul, and then they started to, to blow up with regard to learning, raising up leaders. But a lot of us don't believe that the core to Christianity is the organic relationships built between people. And when those relationships are insecure and not intimate, you run into some trouble. And I want to share a couple of things with you, and we can get into this. Communities that are insecure— Communities where insecurity is prevalent. Communities like this bite and devour. They destroy each other because of an unwillingness to look below the surface and deal with the deep, deep uh, issues uh, that exist around the existential threat of insecurity. This destructive superficiality, because when insecurity is allowed to grow everywhere, everything becomes superficial, and once it becomes superficial, it becomes destructive. This destructive superficiality erodes the health of any organization, even if it's not a church, especially the church, though, as the relationships first decline. So the first thing that happens when you don't deal with an unhealthy culture in your church is first the relationships decline spiritually. So first people stop talking about spiritual things, stop having spiritual conversations, stop talking about the Bible, stop praying together, stop being transparent and open about their lives. That's the first thing that goes. Then they decline emotionally. So once I no longer am, am engaged with you spiritually, it isn't long before I'm not engaged with you emotionally. I just stop caring about you because without the spirituality, I start wondering, well, what's the difference between you and the guy I go to work with? What's the difference between you and my neighbor? There isn't much of a difference. So I began to decline emotionally. And then once I've declined emotionally and spiritually, suddenly I'm in a church and I become intellectually contentious. Most of you guys are young, so you don't know but a lot of churches, the biggest thing going on is arguments, arguments about, you know, which room do we make the children's ministry room? <laughs> uh, what kind of communion uh, bread are we going to buy? What right. kind of is it? Should we drink out of one cup or should everybody get their own cup? You know, what time should we, a lot of it's the intellectual. What is that word? Does that word really mean that? Or does that word really mean this? And so it becomes intellectually contentious. A lot of people think we become intellectually contentious because we all have different ideas. No, it's because spiritually and emotionally, there's been a decline. There's been a break. And the only thing holding us together now is our doctrinal opinion. Galatians 5, 13 to 15 describes this downward spiral of relationship decay, a spiritual and emotional corrosion that typically ends with the physical decline of division, where the dogmatic split churches, disillusion, leave them and unbelieving, avoid them. I really want to get your thoughts on that line right there. A spiritual and emotional corrosion that typically ends with the physical decline of division, where the dogmatic split churches the disillusion leave them and the unbelieving avoid them. And this is what Galatians 5.13 says. If you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out 
or you will be destroyed by each other. Again, Galatians 5, 13 to 15 in the NIV. My premise today is that when we are in an insecure relationship with God and in insecure relations with each other, we end up going into spiritual and emotional decline, which puts us in intellectual contention. And before you know it, everybody's biting and devouring each other and it ends up destroying churches. And I, I make this point. I want to make it again. There becomes a physical decline. Once that all happens, once that spiritual decline, emotional decline, the intellectual contention comes, the corrosion in the relationships come. There's a physical decline of division, the dogmatic, the people who insist we're right and and this is what we've got to do, they split the church. They go their separate ways. The disillusioned who look, how did we end up here? How do we end up with everybody hating everybody? They leave the church, and then the outside world that's looking says, I never want to be a part of that church. I think it's very important that we think about the next 10 years of any church and ask, before we even ask financial questions, before we even ask strategic questions, we ask the questions, what is the culture of relationships like, and is this sustainable for very long? What do you guys think? Well, I think when I run into people who are no longer going to a church, who grew up going to a church, uh, it seems like these categories uh, do a great job of, of at least defining the, the, the conversations we've had. You've got the dogmatic, the disillusioned, or the unbelieving. And usually the disillusioned and unbelieving are no longer going, and the dogmatic are hanging on in a declining situation. Um, so I think, I think, you know, we're in a place where, at least in the Bay Area, you know, the predominant number of people are not affiliated with a church, but many of those people grew up going to a church. And, um, I think that it's a great helps me to understand, like, I haven't thought about that, why that. You think most people in the Bay Area grew up going to a church? No, I I don't necessarily think that that's true. I do think there are a number of people who don't go to a church who grew up going to a church. There are a lot of people, they may even still be members in their mind, right? They just don't go. So, and that would be the disillusioned. And, and, And some have become unbelieving. Well, see, actually, when I say unbelieving, I'm not talking about people who became unbelieving. I'm talking about people that the unbelieving avoid them. I'm actually talking about people who never believed. Gotcha. I'm talking people who just like I'm atheist, agnostic. I don't. I don't. Religion is the problem. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I think those people. A lot of times, what religious people forget, Christian church going people forget, is that while they're having all their little fights and battles, yeah, the rest of the world's sitting there watching, going, "Well, why would I want to be a part of that?" And what amazes me is how church going people can be killing each other. Yes. You know, now they got the internet, killing each other, internet, letters, and, you know, all kinds of junk. And they just don't think anybody's noticing and going, <laughs> now, why exactly would I want to join this group? And so I think the three things that happen when you start to have relationship decline is, I just want to be more clear since I wasn't, dogmatic people are people who are like, well, I know what's right. And they gotcha. tend to split. So if Nathan says, well, I believe we've got to have more young people in leadership, and I go, no, we need to let the elders lead then we end up going, well, you go your way, I'll go my way. So we split it. Right. And then you've got the people that are watching all this to go to church going, what is all this fighting about? I don't get it. I was just trying to come and get some communion and have a couple friends. And I don't want to be a part of this fight. And I've met people like that go, I left my church because they were just fighting all the time. Those disillusioned people, they just leave. But the unbelieving are those people who just, I'm, I'm using that term, and maybe I need to find a better term. I'm using it in terms of the secular person that's sitting out there who may be looking at you 
and 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 thinking about what you're doing and going, I would never want to be a part of that mess. Makes I've got sense. enough stress in my life already. That's what I was trying to get to. Um, yeah, the part that stood out to me here is it says uh, destructive superficiality. I don't think I've thought of superficiality as being destructive, right? I thought of it as being, you know, maybe unhelpful or like not productive, but not necessarily like actively uh, eroding something, right? right? So and it made me think about, because I know I can get, when I think about church, I can think about events and things that we put on, you know, like it made me think like the church without, absent of like living relationships like the Bible calls us to, which yes. is dealing with security, absent of that, essentially just becomes like how how nice of a community can we make, you know? So like how many common interests do we share or like how, how great are our events, you know, how fun are our things, right? So then it makes sense why we start fighting and stuff because it just becomes about, it's all subjective at that point. Exactly. Right? And then so absent of like that sort of, we're all agreeing on the Bible here, so we should try and live a certain way. It just becomes whoever's got the loudest opinion. Yes. Right? And so, so I, I would be someone who would, who would just leave because I'm like, I don't, why be a part of something toxic? Right. And so it, so it makes sense. And, but I've never taken that, like reverse engineered that back to the, destructive superficiality that comes from insecurity. Ooh, I like that word, reverse engineered that back. Throwing very that all out Valley of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta be relatable. <laughs> <laughs> you sound brilliant, actually. So <laughs> I was thinking like a little differently um, because I don't know if I'm in the conversations that like talk about which cracker and which juice to use or whatever. But like, <laughs> I, I, was re- I, I reach back for that one. I reach back for that one. But I was thinking to the superficiality, I think we c- there's what can happen and I've kind of experienced it and felt it or, and observed it as well is like there becomes these superficial arguments of like, will you hurt me? Will you hurt me? You know, yes. and it's like back and forth yes. and it's like, and if you take like just a minor step back, you're like, what are we doing? Yes. You know? And like, it, and so maybe they're the, not speaking maybe, maybe to these intellectual things, but more like just these superficial emotional yes. things and it becomes, and the secular person or someone so, who's, so who's you, outside is like, these people are weird, man. Like everybody's always getting their feelings hurt and can't be around somebody because they did something to me or well, whatever. You, you would say that your generation hasn't even entered into spiritual growth, so they can't experience a spiritual decline. So they're starting with emotional decline. Yeah. And, and, that, and so they're just one step away from contention because contention really becomes people that are always doing that debating and arguing. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we close? Why aren't we feeling good together? Why do I don't want to meet with you? I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to do it at that time. And I think a lot of times we think these are just sort of situational mm-hmm. instead of systemic, meaning we've got a systemic problem. We've got a deep internal core problem, which is that we're not dealing with the real issues inside of our own heart. I think a lot of people don't want to, it's painful. I mean, I've had to do it. It's not fun. Um, it's not fun to go to the core and say, why do I sin this way? Why do I react this way? Why do I get hurt this way? It's easier to just go, Mike's a bad person. That's simpler. Then I don't have to think about much. As opposed to, maybe Mike's not a bad person. Maybe I'm overreacting, overthinking, overreaching, overdoing it. You know, maybe that's it. But we don't like to do that. And that's all part of this discussion. And again, we're still really kind of introducing the subject. It's all part of that discussion about insecurity. Here's the key. I think it's essential that people, again, you can go back and read the book of Galatians because it's a great book about the difficulty that occurs when relationships become rule-oriented instead of being sort of holistic and involving faith, spirituality, emotion, everything, because they get into a lot of contention. 
They have a lot of problems right there. And it's because I think at the end of the day, if people aren't secure with God, if they don't really have their own internal junk worked out, they're going to cause a lot of problems and a lot of mess. What do you think? Does yeah. that sound right? No, totally. And I, I kind of go back to something you mentioned earlier, the, the unwillingness to look uh, below the surface. You know, and I think a lot of times I grew up going to church and, and I'm very religious just in my uh, kind of core nature or whatever. And so I notice in me there's and kind of the peers around me, there's a there's a level of unwillingness to like think deep and to or to reflect deeply and to engage kind of what's there. And so we do end up getting those really emotional kind of superficial arguments because there's just a flat out unwillingness and a stubbornness in I've experienced my in my relationship with God where I'm like, God, I don't want to talk to you about this. I don't want to talk about this. I'm just going to go pray about whatever the juice and crackers, right? You know, or whatever. Yep, but yep, like, yep. but it's that unwilling, just flat out unwillingness to even deal with the insecurity that's there. To even- well, and, and I think what happens a lot, and I was referring to this is, is there's a degree of, and this is actually biblical. I'm not going to go back and do a study on scapegoating, but you can do it yourself. There's a degree of scapegoating. So I need to find someone to blame for my problem. So in the Old Testament, they said the scapegoat is the goat they put all the sins of the, I think, the community on. I haven't stayed in a long time. And then they send the scapegoat outside of the, the community. And I think a lot of times what we do is we go, well, I want to feel better. And so my scapegoat's going to be this leader who hurt me. It's going to be this Christian who hurt me. I'm going to, I'm going to put all of my problems and all of my pain on what they did. Because I've seen it where... Um, and I see myself do it. We want to simplify our pain. And so we try to figure out who can I put it all on? And what's funny is oftentimes it's the last person to turn the top on the jar. So if I've been hurt by Mike, hurt by Nathan, hurt by Cameron, and I'm mad at them. And then Stone says, Hey, can you give me a ride? And I blow up on Stone. Why? Because of this aggregate of holding everything, but I'm going to scapegoat Stone and say, Stone's the reason I'm unhappy. Again, I want to come back to this. When you deal with your insecurities, when you deal with all your internal stuff, you don't overreact. You don't hang on to things. You become a more forgiving person. We hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to check out our website at deepspirituality.net where we have devotionals, videos, and articles. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Deep Spirituality and click subscribe. You can also find us on all your favorite social media platforms. So be sure to give us a like or a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.